Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Hello and welcome to another episode of FW Presents, the anthology show for the Fire and Water Podcast Network. This is another installment of our Meanwhile series. This is just kind of an all-purpose conversation that we're going to have among members of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, just kind of catching up with what's been going on in our lives, both in and out of uh, our geeky interests since the last Meanwhile. Joining us uh, here, along with me and Shag. Shag, how are you doing? Um, I'm confused. I thought you invited me here to talk to me about something called Amway. <laughs> I'm ready to name the murderer. Now, uh, so <laughs> jo- joining Shag and I are, uh, of course, erstwhile member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, Ryan Daly. Hi, Ryan. I am here in lieu of a Christmas episode. Uh, <laughs> my, my fire and water contract stipulates I make so many appearances in the month of December. And since there's no very daily Christmas this year, you got me on this one. Fair enough. <laughs> and also joining us is the newest member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Hi, I'm here so you can meet your quota of female on this panel here because <laughs> a bunch of sausages. So my pleasure to be your one female. <laughs> I feel like we should all be holding up like that paper circular thing that like you burst through when somebody like the Justice League oh, covers. Yeah. When they would go oh. the, 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 I don't know <laughs> what those things are called. The sensational character find of 2022. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm very excited. This is so exciting to have Stella among the uh, the group, among the, playing among our reindeer games. This is all going to be so much fun. And we're going to talk about a bunch of really fun topics. But before we get to that, we do have to thank our sponsor. Of course, this episode of FW Presents is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Shag, what do you got? Uh, I brought something, uh, a brand new one, very, very new, in fact. It's called Nightwing Hardcover, <gasps> Volume 1, <laughs> Leaping into the Light. And so this is uh, features, uh, it's, uh, I'm stuttering all over the place here, folks, because I don't know how to describe it, because it's so stinking new. This thing actually isn't even out yet, if you're listening to this episode on the day of release. Instead, it'll be released on Tuesday. It is written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Renando. It is so freaking good and i'm going to talk a little bit about this but this comic brought me back to liking dc comics like current modern day dc comics again it's that good i am all in on the tom trailer train tom taylor train he's a fantastic writer it's 160 pages again it is going to be released this coming tuesday december 14th the normal retail price is 24.99 Inside Trace has not listed the price yet. They just say coming soon. But, I mean, everything's usually 42% off, so I'm assuming it's going to be about $14.50, and that is a heck of a steal. I've, written, I've read half of this uh, story. I haven't read the whole thing yet because I'm reading it on the app. They're not all out yet. It is amazing. It is so good. I heard Stella gasp a minute ago. She knows how good the series is, isn't oh, yeah. Stella? Yes, very much so. so and it's got lots of shameless butt shots of, I mean, Nightwing owns his sexiness in it. So any Nightwing lovers absolutely needs to get that trade paperback. Which is a coincidence because Ryan owns his sexiness too. So that, that's a perfect fit. <laughs> so Nightwing, Leaping into the Light, hardcover volume one, comes out on Tuesday, folks. Get it on in-stock trades for a really heck of a great discount. What'd you bring, Rob? Uh, well, yes, in honor of our, again, our newest member, the Fine Water Pockets Network, I selected Jane. Hardcover by uh, Aileen Brosh McKenna and Ramon Perez. This is a powerful modern day reimagining of Charlotte Bronte's classic novel, Jane Eyre. Jane learns that in the world of the New York's elite, secrets are the greatest extravagance, and so she must decide if she should trust the man she loves or do whatever it takes to protect her best friend from the consequences of his deception. This is from Boom Studios. 240 pages, normal price, $24.99. In stock trades price is only $17.49. 
you save 30%. Now, I have not read this yet, uh, but uh, I've seen the artwork of Ramon Perez, and I really, really like it. It's really sharp. Uh, Stella, have you read this? I believe I have. If the cover is of a girl in a school uniform sitting on a bench. Yes, read the drawing something in a book or something like that. Yes, yes, I have read that. I think uh, your favorite slash least favorite listener, David, um, <laughs> a.k.a. Kind <laughs> of banana mom. Uh, he sent it to me. Well, he said like, Hey, have you seen this? And I immediately got it. And that'll be something that I actually cover. So this works out very well topically. Wow. Look at that, Rob. Look at you. Synchronicity. Also talk about synchronicity right out of the gate. Stella makes a dig at Davies Gutierrez. <laughs> you are a member of the fine water podcast. Network, <laughs> <laughs> well, folks for these and all your other trade paper mag needs and anything else you need to acquire that will get under the skin of David A. Gutierrez, please visit <laughs> InStockTrades.com. You realize we're just feeding his ego at this point, folks. It's just, it, it, it's like feeding the beast. It's dangerous. All right, folks. So this episode is also sponsored in part with your Patreon support. So thank you because running the Firewater Podcast Network with so many shows requires a lot of online hosting and other services. And I don't even want to talk about how much we had to pay Stella to come on the network. So a while back, we realized that we needed some help with the expenses. So we launched the Patreon and you folks really stepped up to help keep the network going. So if you're enjoying shows like this on the network, the best way to support us is by visiting our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash FW podcast. And while you're there, uh, please consider supporting the network. And at certain tiers, you get mentioned on shows of your choice, just like these folks. So Rob, our thanks go out to who? <laughs> David Gutierrez. There he is, there he is again. <laughs> and Gord Tolton. Thanks, guys. Again, please visit our patreon at patreon.com slash fw podcast okay everybody so so we have a lot of questions to get to so let's jump right to it but before well wait you gotta yes, explain oh. how we even you're gonna have to explain where these questions came from well oh yes well i was gonna get to that before we get to but okay shang uh yes these are the questions that uh we i asked over on our patreon speaking of our patreon uh we talked about that we're going to be doing a meanwhile episode and we threw the floor threw the questions out to uh, everyone uh, over on our all our patrons or very generous patrons and we said what topic would you like us to talk about so we got a lot of questions and we're, we can't cover them all because this show would be like five hours long we can't get to all of them some of them we'll probably save for another meanwhile at some other point or some other format but we're going to get through as many of them as we can with the group that we have here before we get to all those you have to talk to, to to Stella here you added a show to our ranks recently the what why don't you explain exactly what it is for anyone who hasn't <laughs> caught it just yet Sure. You make it sound so easy adding in the show. Man, they, they made me go through like an obstacle course to see if I was physically fit in order to be on this network. I just wanted really <laughs> to know. But <laughs> yeah, so it's called Dear Reader, a Jane Eyre podcast. And it is about Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte, but more looking through that subject through the lens of all the adaptation, not all the, but many adaptations or reimaginings that have cropped up. So film, TV, um, graphic novels, modern retellings, some manga, and opera, Broadway, that kind of stuff. So seeing whether or how, I guess, Jane Eyre kind of goes through these different genres and incarnations, whether she stays true to what I call the spirit of Jane Eyre, and seeing if Jane Eyre really fits kind of the modern lens or if it's problematic in some different areas. So it's been really interesting to 
go back through that novel and really think about it differently and, and try to talk about it in ways that I've not talked about it before. And then viewing things, or in some cases like silent films, not viewing things <laughs> and seeing how uh, people see Jane Eyre and decide to present that in their own creative way. Now, with all the Jane Eyre stuff out there, I mean, uh, the book the book came out when? 18 what? Um, I, <laughs> I assumed you would know the date of its publication, Stella. I'm so sorry. When did, when did Aquaman first appear, Rob? More fun comics? 1941. Number, uh, more yeah. fun comics. Oh, November 1941. On September. Ryan, what, what year did Star Wars come out? <laughs> uh, which one? No. <laughs> 77. Never heard so, of Star Wars before. See, see, Stella, see, everyone, you should know this stuff. If not, okay. I've given you enough time to uh, Google it. <laughs> I, I, I apologize, Stella. The book's been around oh, for over fine. 100 years. Okay, well, at least fine. that. It has been over 100 years. Okay. 1847. I'm wow, so okay. sorry. All right, I don't keep dates in my head. That's, old, that's older than I thought it was. The reason I was even getting to all that was when you were, because this is a mini series that you're doing here. So you had to pick and choose what stuff to talk about. And I'm sort of curious, what was that selection process? Was it the stuff that you thought was the most diverse to talk about? Because it, it's not just all going to be your favorites. It's going to be, I mean, I imagine you're going to get to some stuff that you like less than others. Like, how did you decide Ooh. what to pick from to talk about? Yeah, in fact, the episode that's coming out next, I, I talk about something that I disliked strongly. So I had, I originally thought with this show that I could cover everything. But that was before I went on the Wikipedia entry for all the adaptations. And I realized <laughs> that, wow, Jane Eyre is everywhere. So I did want to be as diverse as possible. And I wanted to find pairings that either contrasted well or compared well with each other. So um, with the silent films, I, I did want to look at that. I've never seen a silent film before. I thought, oh, this would be really interesting. And of course, that would be one of the first visual adaptations of Jane Eyre. And then, well, what's a good way to contrast that? Well, let's look at something that you can't see the people, but you can hear them and do radio and things like that. And um, yeah, just trying to go through. I think the, the most fun I, I will have maybe is looking at other cultures adaptations of it. I'm struggling to find one, but we'll see. I've found like a Sri Lankan one. Um, there, there is one that takes place in Mexico, but I can't find that one. So we're, it's, it's been fun to sort of figure out what can I do and can I pick a theme that goes through, uh, let me rephrase that. Can I pick a theme that works well with these? So I'm going to do an erotica one because I found out that Jane erotica <laughs> actually exists. And I was trying to figure out how, what can I pair with that? Well, I'm going to do a body ripper rather than a bodice ripper. And there's a Jane Eyre vampire hunter. So I'm going to do that. So it's just kind of fun to figure out, oh, what goes well with the other one? And, and how can I play off of each other like that? Very this has cool. been a really interesting show to see on our network because, you know, our typical listeners um, have never known the touch of a woman. So it's sort of interesting <laughs> to, no see their, <laughs> to see their Again, feedback. with the shots at David Ace Gutierrez. <laughs> <laughs> to see the feedback that's been coming out is really fascinating. And, I, and I've told you in the feedback, I mean, I've never read the book. And, but I find your show completely fascinating and compelling. You're doing a fantastic job, you know, keeping it interesting, that. even for someone who's, you know, not that familiar with the source material. Yeah. Thank you. I hope so. I hope that people can just 
hop on and hop off if they want to. I mean, I'm going to do Star Trek next because Janeway, there's there's kind of a Jane Eyre episode in there. So I think mm-hmm. that'll be good for some people. So I think it can meet people where they are. So if they just want to see, you know, a manga adaptation or the, the Orson Welles adaptation that you and I did or yeah. talked about before, Rob, yep. then you can hop on and do that. You don't have to do everything. So that's the nice thing about <laughs> the actual uh, limited series format of it. And, and just just to let the people at home know as well, we began wooing Stella to the network uh, <laughs> less than a year after we launched. We started pursuing. You remember this, Ryan? In two thousand seventeen. So, yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, I was going to actually mention that. So okay, we listeners, we talked about this just right before we started recording this episode. The last time the four of us actually hung out together was the night before Heroes Con. Um, what year was that? It was, was, that- it was 2017. Yep. Okay. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was right, like a week before my kid was born. Um, but, um, yeah, so we were hung- we were hanging out in this diner, but I, I just remembered that we, I, I met Stella in the lobby of the hotel and then she, we got in her car and drove to pick you guys up at the airport. And because of the severe weather storms, you guys, your flights were delayed or you were on the tarmac and basically had to taxi for like two hours. Yeah. So Stella and I were waiting in the car and I probably fell asleep while she was talking about something. <laughs> but I, I do remember Stella at what point I asked you, I was like, well, like if it wasn't Batgirl, like what other things, like what other subjects or comics like might you want to be podcasting about? And I remember you saying something about Kitty Pride of yeah. the X-Men. And I was like, that would be awesome. That would be fascinating. So we, yeah, so we kind of talked, it was like, we, if we could ever get Stella on the show. And then, boom, you know, whatever, however many months ago, Shaggy's like, hey, I think we finally got Stella committed. She's going to do a show for us. I'm like, all right, Kitty Pride, let's talk about, like, what, what's the pitch and everything. And he's like, well, it's like this Jane Eyre thing. And, <laughs> and I, I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> like a lead balloon. Yeah. <laughs> A couple of years ago, uh, Max Romero tried to bring some culture to the network through his Mirror Factory show, and we we just rejected it like a you know like a disease. Like no, our our, our, we we collectively just got together. We're like no, we refuse to accept culture. We just refuse. (laughs) And and God bless Max. He kept going, and what did he turn to? The human fly. So (laughs) he became one of us. One of us. So (laughs) we appreciate you trying to do this, Stella. Try to bring a little bit of class and culture to the Fire and Water Network. My pleasure. (laughs) By the way, I look forward to the touch of a woman. It's going to be very exciting when it happens. So, uh, uh, that's why you're getting married, right? (laughs) That's right. That's right. I'm very rigid that way. So, okay. So (laughs) let's, let's get onto the Patreon questions. Uh, (laughs) first up is from, David Ace Gutierrez. Why do we keep feeding this beast? It's, I don't know. It's we're, not good. We're like those guys in the Titanic engine room, like with our shirtless, and we're just shoving coal in the fire as best we can. So, okay, his first question is, uh, what stuff, if any, did your fellow Fire and Water podcasters get you into? For example, how many of you now love Bob Dylan? I think that's none of you. Correct. Uh, that is, yeah, that is not going anywhere. Um, well, I do, but I was a fan before. Yeah, you started. That doesn't count. Um, I, I will mention, I will start off. The, the two things I want to mention that I could think that were like kind of, it wasn't that I didn't know these things or didn't like them, but I became more into them thanks to shows here on the network. First of all, the aforementioned Human Fly. I had only Woo! read a couple issues of that comic. Uh, and now that Max is doing his really fun show, Human Flycast, 
I've been reading every issue and it's a blast. That's just a fun book to read. And I've really been enjoying it. And I'm looking forward to, I've been buying them off of eBay uh, because you can't like, they're not available digitally anywhere. So I'm literally buying hard copies and that has been fun. I've really been enjoying that series. And then the other thing I will say, and this is thanks to something uh, the irredeemable shag is working on V. Uh, I watched V when it aired and I liked it. But I never saw it again since. I never really thought about it. I didn't buy the comic, anything like that. And then a couple of months ago, uh, Kelly and I were in a video store that was going out of business, unfortunately. And they were selling all their stock. And they were selling the original V miniseries on DVD for like a dollar. Oh. Right, right. And it's like, that's like, what, like four hours worth of content, you know, for a dollar? We're like, what do you mm-hmm. think that? So she bought it. And uh, we brought it home. She's a big fan of V. Shag, you should have her on the show. And uh, and um, and I, but I was like, well, let me, you know, let me give this a chance. Let me rewatch it again. And I really liked it. I forgot how good it was. I had sort of just sort of, you know, it had faded in memory in the three decades since I saw it as a kid. But I really enjoyed it. And so now I'm really looking forward to this project that you're working on related to V. That ought to be super fun because now I'm kind of into it and I want to see the the other series and the later things i'm kind of really into it so thanks to uh shows here on the network those are two things i've really been enjoying well i'm so glad to hear that you enjoyed v wow i uh it's it's a bit of diminishing returns after that first miniseries but uh but i'm so glad you're watching and you know i might have to get in touch with kelly that would be good to have the better half on the show So I'll go next. Um, there was this thing I, I hadn't ever heard of called Batman that Ryan got me into, but it turns out it was just a phase for Ryan and Chris. So uh, I, I anyway, um, no realistically, I could. Not <laughs> engaging. I understand. I couldn't think of anything that came directly from our network, but I did think of stuff that came from our podcasting friends. So I'll throw some out there real quick. Like Blake Seven was something I had always been aware of. But Ashford from the Right On Network and uh, the Sutherlands from the Rad Adventures Network both convinced me to try it. And I was like, all right, whatever. And now it is one of my biggest fandom passions right now. I mean, I am deep, deep, deep into the expanded universe of Blake 7 now. It's, it's all happened in a matter of about uh, a few years. And I, I'm huge on it now. Another is reading current DC comics again. I never thought I would be looking forward to new comic book day. Uh, now for me, it's on the digital app for DC infinity. Uh, so I get everything like six, six or three months behind everyone else, but they're still new essentially. Um, and so I've been reading probably about eight to 10 ongoing series now that are new and I'm loving them. So I got to chalk that up to Paul Hicks from waiting for doom. I mean, a lot of people like Martin gray and Sean Ross have contributed, but Paul Hicks was kind of the camel, the straw that broke the camel's back got me finally to do this again he's that for a lot of things <laughs> um the marvel role-playing game i have been role-playing uh every two weeks with this group of friends here in, in town uh the marvel superheroes role-playing game, the original one from the 80s and that is down to our friends david gallagher uh dr g of nerdology and ciscoid even uh we did an episode where we compared the dc and the marvel game and hearing them and their passion david and dr g's passion for the marvel game got me to re-explore it and now we play it every two weeks i love it and then finally i do have to thank one person on the network uh rob i have to thank you for my love of zany haney i (laughs) i was aware of bob haney i knew about the super sons but i hadn't really gotten steeped in zany haneyness until you pushed me to read some more of those and uh, i I thank you sir you've made my life better (laughs) you're very welcome that's it for me who's next you know, I, I feel like my mind has been so scattered and I haven't been able to, like, to, to commit to like, like following a lot of shows and I've been so all over the place that 
I, I find I get more pleasure and more kind of like when we drop an episode that kind of surprises me. So a lot of times it's the random sort of one-off FW presents episodes or like Rob will have like an episode of mountain comics about something that I've never heard of, but like, I don't need to know the, the history or the continuity and I can just kind of get into that or a random movie episode or, um, like Shag, when you're talking to Paul Hicks about like the DC universe or DC mm-hmm. Infinite app or something like that, and I'm not even reading any DC comics. I haven't been for years, but like just you're talking about that app, I just found fascinating. And part of it is just kind of listening to my friends have an, an interesting conversation. But like that, that to me lately, at least, has been more interesting than following an index show or something else that I just I haven't been keeping current with. So I, I like when we do a show that just kind of like a random, random little conversations, things like this. Um, that's just like a talk about people like just doing stuff. And that surprises me. And that's, that's more, a little bit more fun. I, I, I totally, I, oh, go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I totally understand what you mean. The random stuff's a lot of fun. And I was going to lead on into Stella. Go for it. <laughs> I was just going to say similar to Ryan. I don't have a lot of time to uh, listen to podcasts. Generally I do it when I'm running, but who's who has been consistently the only podcast that I <gasps> listen to on this network. I'm so sorry to everybody else. But I will say that even though Shag tries to get me into who's who, wait, what's it called? Doctor Who? Who's it? What's it? And I Doctor never have. He did get me into accidentally Justice League International, the blah, 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 because he invited <laughs> me to be on his show. And I ended up reading all of the issues leading up to what I need to cover. And I thought, wow, this is actually a pretty good series. So I will thank you for that. Hey, Stella, you want to know a funny story? Please. So a long time ago, Shag talked me into doing this JLI podcast with him. And like we were going to be partners and co-hosts and everything was going to go. And we recorded an episode. And then he was like, you know what? It didn't really go well. That's not really what I think. I'm thinking I'm, I'm not going to do this show anymore. I'm just going to scuttle that one. And I was like, hey, hey, no problem, no problem. And then like two years later, I find out he's been doing more episodes without me. Uh-oh. <laughs> True story. Do you feel bad about this? Not anymore, but, you know, for a while there. Well, I, oh my st- I stole his phone and disconnected from the RSS so he wouldn't even know new episodes were coming out. But somehow mm. he figured Reese must have reactivated or something and he figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. By the anyway, way, I, I love the fact that Stella referred to your show, Shack, as the Jelly <laughs> Blah 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 podcast. That's well, thanks for listening, Rob, because she did that all episode long. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh. thought I would point it out again. So, <laughs> all right. Well, excellent. Uh, I, mean, I have a feeling David's going to show up again in this uh, in these questions. But next up is uh, Roger Preeb, who asks, your top five favorite DC miniseries? Now, I don't know if I can rattle off five. Uh, I mean, other than, like, some of the, you know, the, the pretty standard answers. But I will say, lately, I have been referring or thinking about Camelot 3000 a lot. I don't really yeah. even know why. Uh, but, um, partly I think I've been, you know, reading, I follow a lot of accounts on Twitter that are, um, trans people and, you know, reading about their issues and and what they're dealing with nowadays. And there's a whole angle to that in Camelot 3000 that I had forgotten about. And I think about how that Mike W. Barr was introducing that into a mainstream DC comic in 1982, uh, pretty, uh, you know, and a very accepting, open-hearted view of that and he was kind of really ahead of the game so i've been i haven't read it in a long time and brian ballin i mean jesus one of the great guys ever to draw but like i've been thinking about that one a lot and that seems kind of i don't know what to say it's, it's not forgotten because it's been collected in trades but it's 
I think it's relatively unheralded. It's not like they've ever done a sequel or it's been adapted into some other form. So, but it was one of those experiments that DC was trying in the 80s. So I don't have a list of five, but that's, that's one from the 80s that I remember buying at the time that I'm, for some reason, thinking about a lot nowadays. That's a great pick. A lot of people don't talk about that. Why don't we change up the order? Why don't you go next, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I, I just I haven't had DC on the brain for so long, so it's hard for me to even think. But, but I, I mean, I'm not going to come up with a whole list, but I'll just give a shout out to the last DC miniseries that I did read, um, which was one that I covered with Martin Gray and Dr. Ange for my uh, Gene Colan showcase. And that was the Phantom Zone miniseries. Mm. Um, the one by Gene Cole and, um, uh, 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 what the, who was the crazy writer's name? Steve Gerber, right? Steve Gerber. Yeah. Steve Gerber. <laughs> I, I was like, Steve something. Yeah, the sorry. crazy writer. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> he, I, I think he heard it before. <laughs> yeah, people, so. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. And that was, and I mentioned on that podcast how it, like why I kind of, I, I never really cared that much about the Phantom Zone as a concept and I kind of shied away from it, but I read this just because of the Gene Cullen connection and people said they really liked it. So I dove into this crazy balls, weird ass like mini series thing that like only Steve Gerber could come up with and Gene Cullen could visualize. And as not just a Superman story, it's a great Superman story, but as a kind of justice league story, like stealth wise, because like Batman and Wonder Woman, Supergirl and Green Lantern all have pretty good parts in that. I just found that to be a great thing. And that was like a story that I wanted more of. I wanted to sink a little bit more of my time. And so, yeah, like that's, that would be the one that really kind of surprised me because I hadn't read it until they convinced me to read it for the show, and I, I thought it was terrific. Stella, what about you? Well, I've said this countless times, but I don't think I've ever said it on this network, so it's all fine. I would definitely <laughs> call your one. That's my go-to recommendation for all people of all <laughs> times. And it's just, you know, that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with Barbara Gordon and Batgirl and it's beautiful. It's by Chuck Dixon and uh, Scott Beatty with Mark by art by Marcos Martin. And oh, it's just so good. If if the movie follows that, that would be lovely. I'm a little nervous that they may not necessarily, but they did. They have Brendan Fraser playing Firefly, so maybe. Oh my god! Um, was there a because that came out about the same time as Robin Year One, didn't it? Was was there? A- I think it was later. I think I think okay. it was after Robin Year One. Yeah, well, I know they collected them together one time. Yeah, so I, did, I didn't did. know. Is are there any themes that continue through it? I mean, was it the same writing team, or is it just because some people may have same, read one but not? Oh yeah, it, it's the same creative team. Okay. I don't know necessarily about themes. It's been a while since I read Robin Year One. I think Two Face may be like the main antagonist in there. Um, there there might be some more themes uh, about you know heroes coming into their own and and what it's like to be kind of in the world of batman but not be batman all right yeah so uh i i did uh i wrote i took i took time to come up with five uh but they're really generic there's nothing here that's going to shock anyone if they know anything about me so uh my first one's crisis on infinite earths that was my first big dc miniseries i've still got the five foot poster on my wall uh, it's it's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, is it a cohesive story? Probably not. I don't care. I love it. Um, next would be Legends, because by that point, I was all in on DC, and I was all in Nostalgia Goggles, whether, you know, again, I was all in on that. Um, then <clears throat> I struggled with this one, and I think Ryan will see the, the through line here. I struggled with either picking Batman Year One or Daredevil Born Again. Um, 
a lot of similarities in the storytelling, both David Mazzuchelli, um, and, and you and I have talked about both those characters before, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And so, so then, then I thought, okay, well, the, the other half of the question was one-shots or single issues. So then I said, all right, what comic brings me pure joy that I'm willing to read over and over and over again? It tells a story, one and done, and that would be Blue Devil number one. The first issue of Blue Devil is perfect from beginning to end. It tells a complete story. It sets up the character. It gives you everything you need to know. It's an absolute joy. Uh, and the other one is uh, Justice League International from the blah, blah, blah era. Uh, issue number eight, the moving day issue, which is also uh, just a pure joy. So those are my five. <laughs> that's good. Oh, I, I also forgot, um, obviously, uh, New Frontier by Darwin Cook. Oh, that's a good one. Probably my favorite DC story ever. Oh, yeah. Jeez. Um, so, okay. Uh, David H. Gutierrez has another question because, of course, he does. Uh, he says, what stuff that you otherwise dismissed did you give a try? And he says, I'll start. Dune really got into the whole book saga. And, yes, it does have lots of gibberish. Uh, so, uh, do, do you want me to start, everybody? You guys, you have answers ready for this? I, I will address that for just a second. I don't have an answer other than the gibberish was directed at me specifically. Uh, I went on a train ride earlier this year with, <laughs> with my daughter, and yeah. she bought Dune to read it. She was so excited about it. 25 pages in, she literally stops, slams the book down, shut, puts it down on the table on the chair on the train on, or on the tr- table in front of us while we're on the train slides it across the table to me and says two words complete gibberish <laughs> is what she said i put this on social media and it became the most liked post i think i've ever had in my life on facebook and twitter <laughs> and david got really upset about this so the gibberish is a shot at me so there you go Rob. why don't you, why don't you take us around the table or whatever we need to do at this point all right well by the way in response to that uh, tweet uh, denis villeneuve canceled dune part two so i hope you're <laughs> my he daughter just, is powerful he just could not he just could not continue um okay yeah well i mean i realized when i first read this question i was thinking comic books but i realized that david doesn't specifically mention comics in fact he talks about dune so i will talk about um television we've been watching a lot of really good tv lately and a, a series that uh, i have always avoided was american crime story the ryan murphy uh show on uh, fx i don't know if you guys have uh, watched any of those um it's a show where each season they can't they they do a 10 episodes on a real crime a dramatization of something that really happened in America. And the first season was the OJ Simpson case. Season two was the murder of Gianna Versace. And season three was that just aired a couple of months ago was the impeachment trial of uh, president Clinton. And I will say I lived through all of those events. Uh, now the, the one with Versace doesn't have a lot of resonance to me because I just you know, don't live in that world. I wasn't really familiar with it, but I was sort of like, I don't think I want to relive those events, <laughs> you know, I lived through them. They were kind of grueling. I don't think I want to see a show about them, but I heard a uh, friend of the network, Corey drew uh, told me that impeachment was really good. And we were like, well, uh, you know, on his recommendation, let's give it a try. And it doesn't, it does feature the involvement of the, um, the, uh, the, the producers and some of the writers on the show are Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski who wrote Ed Wood. And of course I had Larry Karaszewski on my show fade out a couple of months ago. So, uh, and I love his stuff. His, he's him and Scott are like kings of the biopics. So I gave, we gave impeachment uh, a try and we loved it. Um, you know, you, 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 there's stuff that you know already, but then there's tons of stuff that you've never heard. And it gets into all the corners of these stories that are really fascinating. And we went right from that into watching the people versus OJ Simpson, which we literally just finished 
five minutes before recording this show. Uh, and it, it's really uh, compelling television. You learn a lot about the events, even though you think you live through them. So that was stuff that I'd always resisted. But now we're really super into it. And when I saw that there's like a season four coming, I'm like, when's that coming out? Like we're already like jonesing for the, for the next season. So that's something I would pick is the American crime story series where I just, you know, I, I was really resistant and now we, we just, we binge watch them. So those have been highly enjoyable. Stella. I guess I'll go. Yeah. I, I guess I'll go unconventional. I generally try to, if I've dismissed something, it's probably for a good reason. I try to curate what I'm consuming as a, a viewer or a reader, but I one of something that maybe people don't know about me is I don't like, let me think of it. I'm thinking redo, but that's not the right word. Reboots. I don't like reboots. Um, so each time a new Spider-Man has come out, the dagger has gone deeper and deeper in, inside my heart. <laughs> so when I found out that they were going to be doing somewhat of a reboot of Gossip Girl, I was like, you know, Gossip Girl is not perfect. You know, it's, it's kind of a fun show, but do we really need to do that? But then I thought, let me give this HBO Max series a shot. And it's not necessarily a reboot because it does continue and they talk about the characters from the previous. But I devoured like the first six episodes in one day. I was completely hooked. And then, of course, they weren't going to drop the second half of the season until November. So I was getting the sweats. But I, whoo, now I'm not going to recommend it necessarily because you have to just be a, a particular type of person, but I'm so glad I gave that a shot. So that's all I have to say. <laughs> if you don't like <laughs> reboots, I don't think you should read comics because you're probably going to get Ain't that the truth? <laughs> Thank goodness you're not a Transformers or a Godzilla fan. Um, <laughs> that's all they do every time something comes out. Yeah. Uh, similar to what Rob said, like with the TV thing, um, just recently, uh, it started around Halloween because I, I was just kind of inspired to watch the Netflix horror series Midnight Mass. Um, and then I ended up doing a podcast about that with Herman Lowe and my wife, Angie. Um, and we just really, really liked it. And based on the strength of that series and one of the directors and creators, other movies, um, I kind of decided to go to follow up on some of Mike Flanagan. Uh, he was the writer and director of Midnight Mass. I decided to follow up on some of his previous work at Netflix. And he, because uh, I knew he had done these two other series, this sort of anthology series about haunted houses. One was The Haunting of Hill House and the other was The Haunting of Bly Manor. Now, I, I watched The Haunting of Hill House first and it's very, I shouldn't even say it's very loosely based on the Shirley Jackson novel. It has the same name as the Shirley Jackson novel, <laughs> and it's about a haunted house. Um, and they, therein is where, and a few of the names are borrowed. But um, I, I love that series. Like that, like it, it's a 10 episodes. It's got Carly Gugino, Timothy Hutton, Henry Thomas, a uh, bunch of other people. And it, like, it might be my favorite thing in the, ghost story haunted house like genre um i just thought it was fascinating the way it was told like from two different time periods with you know you've got this family living in this house and then picking up on them 30 years later and all of the children have been in some cases ruined or affected in some way based on their experiences and this thing and a, a, a catalyst uh, a, um 
a catalyzing event sort of brings them back together and they have to sort of relive this and confront this, this traumatic thing. And I just thought it was a, it was a terrific, terrific series. Uh, and then I watched the follow-up, The Haunting of Bly Manor, which was based on The Turn of the Screw by Henry James and a few of his other stories and had a lot of the same cast members. And it just, it wasn't as good. Um, I think it was too long and it got, it just, the, the core story that the, the source material that they tried to cling to wasn't strong enough to sustain it. So they brought in a bunch of other elements and kind of, it just seemed to lack, to lack focus. Um, but stylistically, both of the shows were great. They both had some really unnerving parts, some scary parts. Um, the way Flanagan is able to, not I, he can he can use jump scares effectively because he builds a real sense of dread and unease that kind of gets under your skin and in the back of your neck and lets you know that this world is wrong somehow. Um, and it just I, I don't know I just I, I I got a whole lot of enjoyment of that. So if anybody hasn't seen it and you're looking for a good ghost story, check out the Netflix series The Haunting of Hill House. I think it's fantastic. Hmm, right, cool. I got to tell you, Ryan, I have to make regarding your Midnight Mass show. Uh, I have the most geeky comparison in the world to make. There, there is a uh, a treasury called Superman and his Incredible Fortress of Solitude, where it's just like a tour of like you know all all that all just about his headquarters. And there, and he's he's dealing with this problem, and he doesn't have time. And then he hears the trouble alert go off out in outer space, right? And he's like, I'm so busy. I don't. And then he sees on the screen that Green Lantern is handling it for him. And he's like, oh, thank, thank Breo. Green Lantern is handling this for me. I don't have to do it. That's what I thought when you did your Midnight Mass show. Because <laughs> I, we devoured Midnight Mass in like three days. And that's tough to do because it's a dense show. And we were like just barreling through it because we were so excited. And I had, I had so much on my mind about that show that I was like, should I do a, and because of course, as a podcast, that's the next thing you think of. Should I do a podcast about this? Mm-hmm. And like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a sickness. And I started thinking about like, should I do it? And then you did it. And I was like, oh, yay, I don't have to do it now. It's the never, I can just comment on it. So I thank you for that because you, you guys did a great job and it was just, it was a, I didn't feel the need to have to do it because you did it so well. So thank you. And that discussion could have been five hours longer. Uh, I mean, Angie wanted us to keep going, but Herman had a limited amount of time. We were going to have Kyle Benning on the show originally, and he had to scrub out at the last minute. So we, we had a whole lot more to say about that show. It just didn't end up going into it because there was, there was certainly plenty to talk about. In keeping with the style of that show, it could have been long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> a steady, a steady shot. Just walking down the street. Yeah. Just <laughs> so, um, all right. So, Chad, you want to do the next question? Uh, sure. Came from Brett Young. Uh, Brett says you're mostly men of a certain age. Oh, what? Brett. I know exactly. We've got added Stella the qualifier. Here. Mostly. Speak for yourself. <laughs> he said. My, he did say mostly. Mostly. Yep. <laughs> so he says you're mostly men and women of a certain age, as am I. So I think it's a good question to ask. What hurts? I mean, my left knee is killing me. I ran the hurdles in college and continue to run recreationally afterwards for years. Now I'm in my 40s and my knees feel like gravel. How about you? 
Uh, so as much as I hate to admit it, I, I'm not the young man I used to be. And uh, the, the, my biggest pain, and I don't talk about it on the air or anything normally, but is I actually have bursitis and tendonitis in my shoulders, and it hurts like hell. And I got to do all this physical therapy for it. And I, I, this all came to be right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I'm like, I'm not going to a doctor right now. I mean, this is when we all were thought, we, this is when we were still scared to go to the freaking grocery store. You know, we all thought we'd die, you know, in the, on the produce aisle. And so I actually Googled physical therapy for shoulders and things like that and all this stuff. And I did it for, and it worked. I was so impressed with myself. I'm like, I have healed myself. I mean, I didn't heal anything, but I, I did the work and uh, built up some, some usability in those muscles again. So I was kind of proud of myself. What about you, Rob? I think I am by far the oldest person on this panel. So this question by really far. by far. This question uh, really speaks to me. I won't talk about things that hurt because I don't. I'm lucky. I don't. I don't really have any of that. But I will notice the one very noticeable change in this that I have gotten older. I mean, good lord, Shag and I have been doing this for ten years. So I was only forty when we started, and now <laughs> now I've moved into another decade. Um, the one thing that I've noticed is when I was younger, I could do all nighters no problem. And just barrel through and, and whatever. And now, if I don't get, like, a lot of sleep, I'm just ruined the next day. <laughs> I just can't. And it's not, you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't know how, if this affects uh, all of you, uh, if you don't get enough sleep. But, like, you don't, I don't even feel tired. It's, I'm, like, just cranky and irritable. Uh, and some of you, Shag, might be saying, what's the difference? I am uh, biting my tongue so hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, Rob, you don't get enough sleep before every recording, huh? Uh, but that's, you just feel kind of lousy. And uh, it's hard sometimes because we're up watching stuff or, uh, I, you know, I, I've stopped bringing the phone into the bedroom because that's not a good idea because then you get tempted to look on Twitter or whatever. And then you're off to the races there. So I leave it in the other room. But that's the one big difference I've noticed is that I just can't shake off lack of sleep as well as I used to be able to. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the one big downside to being, to being this age. So uh, Ryan, you can't have any problems, right? Cause you're a young. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah just turned 40 a few months ago. Um, actually, it, like, <laughs> no kidding. Like when the, the fact that he asked what hurts just makes me want to cry. Um, I, I have, I have developed over the last like two years. I can't remember when it started now, but some kind of extremely dry skin or eczema on both of my hands. Um, and it's like, I'm like the, around my knuckles and just like, it, it happens and like, it wakes me up at night. Like it, my hands just itch like crazy. And I like, I scratch at them all the time or I, like I, I run them under scalding hot water and just, it, it, then my hands are driving me crazy. And, and now, like, when I look at them, they look like a topographical map of the Hindu Kush. No. Oh. Um, like, I, I don't know what happened to my hands because I am not a manual labor type of person. <laughs> this should not, my hands should not look this terrible. But yeah, I don't know how or why that started, but that's just been my, my, my grave affliction over the last two years. Parenthood does terrible things to the body, my friend. Yeah. It just destroys it from the inside out. So, apparently, what about you? Out. What about you, Stella? <laughs> you think it'd be the outside in? Um, I struggle sometimes with uh, my IT band on my right leg, so, which is hard because I do enjoy running. 
And it just gets to the point where it gets super tight and so painful that I can't run. And then I have to stop running and recover for a week. And then, you know, you lose mileage. But I've kind of figured out the trick is that I consistently need to go to the gym and be doing squats and lunges and things like that. So that, um, unfortunately, it's the butt. The butt is so lazy that it's not doing the work it should. And also strengthening <laughs> the, I'm, I'm just saying. So many things I want to say. <laughs> I'm sure. And uh, the hips as well. So as long as I'm consistent there. But that's, I would say, my main problem. <laughs> Um, being a physical therapy tech, which is super weird to say temporarily, um, I do kind of have to watch how my body is used just because you're hefting people at times. But I, you know, knock on wood, I'm pretty grateful that for the most part, I'm pretty well and whole. You shouldn't be having these kind of health issues at age 15. I mean, come on. You're (laughs) right. You're right. Stella, while we're, we're on the subject of running, because, because I've been, I run as well. Uh, do I, I'm just sort of curious. Do how do you find running on treadmills? Because I find it Ooh. to be absolutely crushingly painful, boring, and I don't like running in the winter. I don't like the cold, but I'd almost rather be out in the cold than try and run. I once we have a gym in our building, and once in a while, if it is so cold, like if it's like twenty, I'm like I can't do this, and I go down to the treadmill, and it to me an hour on the treadmill feels like four hours running you have that problem (laughs) no i agree yeah i hate the treadmill i only do it for like a warm-up before i uh actually start lifting weights and things but i prefer the cold weather so i enjoy when it's i mean if it's bitter bitter cold you know that's a problem but i'll go out when it's snowing because i love it so much but you're right it does seem interminable um i feel like my energy is sucked up more than it is if i'm like running on asphalt which i think it should not be the the case but i just feel like I can't run well on a treadmill. So I'm totally there with you. Okay. That's good to know. I feel personally attacked. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> both of you know that I'm a treadmill addict. I, yeah. Shag, so, I admire that. I wish I could do it. I really do. I, I, I wish I could, because it would be so much easier to do, but it just, it just, I, I feel like I'm like, oh, I, I've been running for what, an hour? And I look down and it's like 12 minutes. I'm like, whoa. Here's the secrets to it. A couple things. One is I just put a show on. I put my tablet up there and I watch, I don't know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something funny or something adventurous. And the time just flies by. The other thing is the treadmill doesn't let me stop. When I run on the road, I like give up after like half a mile. I'm like, (laughs) I'll just catch my breath or whatever, right? And then I, but the treadmill is completely unforgiving. It doesn't let me stop. I have to press a button to stop. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And so it won't let me stop. So I like that. And the other is I'll talk to both of you in a couple of years about how our knees are doing with you guys running on asphalt and me running on a nice bouncy treadmill. We'll see how that's going. I've been lucky so far. I've been running for 25 years. My knees have not given out yet. So well, the 15 year old's already complaining about her knees. So, <laughs> so. Uh, fair enough. So, all right. So, Brett, thank you for making us feel all old. Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> next is uh, Steve Givens, who says, uh, although I like the mindfulness aspect of the discussion in the Meanwhile episodes, I understand you guys wanting to, guys mostly, wanting to branch out a bit. Uh, how about a discussion on the unexpected surprises you've experienced between episodes? You mean between Meanwhile episodes. Uh, this could be a wide open topic, ranging from a good movie or book you unexpectedly encountered to the litany of curveballs life can throw at us in our personal lives. Uh, and he says, if you'd rather a more nerdy suggestion, how about a discussion on the most surprising revitalization 
of a combat character that actually worked on some level. So, all right, I'll start. I have nothing to say to the revitalization of comic book characters. I don't read anything anymore, so I have nothing to that. In, in terms of the surprises between um, Meanwhile shows, the last one we did was about a year ago. And, I mean, in the in the meantime, I mean, God, we're still working from home. In fact, we just found out that we will be working from home permanently. Whoa. Um, yeah. Uh, Congratulations. We are, yeah, we are now permanently work from home. And, uh, boy, am I happy about that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like, uh, you know, unexpected surprises. I mean, we've been – I think I you – know, this sounds horribly corny and i don't i don't mean it to be maybe get this way this and so early into the episode but i think i i think i'm more mindful of um trying to be kind to other people (laughs) because there seems to be so little of it out there in the world now there seems to be so many people who to whom just being cruel is kind of like a a hobby and i it feels almost weirdly punk to not be that you know um and so uh that's something that i've been sort of thinking about it and and just related to that something happened just this morning uh that uh, this morning around 5 a.m uh our dog pippa uh woke us up to go for a walk and she does that sometimes and it's it's a little early but we did it and so we were walking at it's dark out and it's cold and we're walking and uh we're we're walking her and we see a car parked uh, in the the front of the building and uh, then it pulls away and as it's pulling which is unusual you only see cars parked there that early and just as it's pulling away a woman comes running out of our building yelling stop 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 and the car doesn't stop and take it takes off and we continue to walk pippa and we're kind of wondering Wait, what was that about and so we we bring pippa back into the building and this woman is sitting there and we said are you okay and she says no no she says that was my uber they left without me and we were like, what happened? She says, I don't know. I told them I was on my way down and they, I was two minutes late and they took off without me. And she's like, now I'm going to miss my bus. Mm. And we were like, oh no. And uh, Kelly and I looked at each other and we just decided, do you want to ride? And she said, yeah, that would be great. And so we took Pippa upstairs. I went and grabbed my keys and we drove this woman to the bus station, which was only five minutes away. And she talked about she was going to New York and she really needed to make this bus because uh, it's uh, the next bus was several hours later. So we took her, drove her up and, it, uh, you know, uh, dropped her off and she was very thankful. And we drove back, came home, went to sleep. And then I woke up a couple hours later and I thought the whole thing had been a dream. You know, <laughs> like did we really do that? And and we did. And, you know, I got to say, we I, I won't speak for her, but I felt great about it the whole day that we did that. And I will say, I don't know if that's something I would have done a couple of years ago. I think I might have been more like, well, I'm sorry, you know, good luck. And I might have just shrugged and move on because it would have been too much of an annoyance. But I think we make a little more effort for that uh, nowadays. So I, maybe that's something that, uh, that, that's that been the change of just seeing how much awfulness there's out there. We're trying not to be so awful. So that's that's something I would say. Wow. That was deep and very moving. All right. Um, follow that, Stella. Right. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, well, since this is the first episode that I'm on here, I guess I could throw out anything. Um, working at the hospital has been really interesting, especially with COVID and how people are reacting to COVID, how people are reacting to people not wanting to be vaccinated, etc. But I think I'll, I'll stay away from that subject. 
I will say that 2020 and 2021, I did a, and I'm continuing to do, but that was like a huge chunk of my time doing a, a deep, deep dive, heartfelt, really soul bearing dive into um, racial literature, anti-racist literature, black voices, black stories, really just trying to get to the I don't know, the heart of the matter, just like trying to figure out or better understand what our nation has done and what we white people need to atone for, how I can be more of an ally for uh, people of color. And that has been very eye-opening for me. And I've had lots of great discussions with friends that are black, um, which is great that they're they're willing to do that. And it's just, it's brought me, uh, farther than I think I was. I think it's it's a continual journey for sure. Empathy and compassion are two of my favorite words and I really try to live those words out. But you also need to walk what you're talking. So I can talk about empathy and everything, but if you're not understanding what the other person is going through and you're not actively engaging in finding out what that's like, I think that's problematic. So I've seen uh, there's been some good literature that I've read. There's been some like other ones that are like, well, you know, I don't necessarily see where you're um, going, though, you know, by by white people who sometimes are more inflammatory. Um, but no, it's it's been good. And if you ever want to hit me up, I can give you some good recommendations for things. And uh, another surprise was uh, scene six, the Broadway musical. And, mm. and I went in knowing like, oh, this is going to be really interesting. I, I'm looking forward to whatever this is. So it's, the premise is that it is the six wives of Henry VIII and they all have their time to shine. But I, in my imaginings, had no idea what the experience would actually be like. And it's formatted like a concert. And I was blown away from the very first song, like just opening up and the women coming out. And it's only women on the stage. They have their ladies-in-waiting, as they call the, the band that's on stage. And each of the women, a, a brilliant musician, they're on stage the entire time. And they each have their own solo. And then if not, they're backing up the the other queen and each of the queens also their musicality is based off of a more contemporary musician so um Catherine of Aragon is based off of Beyonce she's kind of has that musicality uh Catherine Howard is similar to Ariana Grande that kind of stuff there are slow ballads as well and yeah it was just such an intense experience it's a huge tonal change when you get to Catherine Howard and it's very topical because it's it's uh me too-esque with this girl who has her first sexual experience at 13 with this 23 year old and each subsequent man she has four verses is a seven minute song which is really intense but each one she's thinking oh this is it he's different you know we've got this connection and she realizes you know like no that's not what it is she's just being used and she just starts to get broken down and by the end all the other queens are like clawing at her it's like really intense but uh at the end the very the final queen uh Catherine Barr she stops everything she's basically says like we've just been doing almost oppression olympics right because it's the whole setup is almost like who had it the worst uh, their whole situation and then they realize like we are still participating in his story and we're not making it our story so they completely turn it around and then they almost do like a what if scenario of you know if we had never met henry what 
what could we have done? And so it ends on a really positive note, but just really empowering, great music. And whew, yeah, such an experience. I, I love being in New York. I always get a little teary eyed once, you know, the curtain rises. I'm like, this is such a great experience. So that was unexpected with how much I really enjoyed that show. Wow. I've heard several of the the tracks from Six. My daughter and wife play them. It's powerful. I mean, it's really, really powerful. I'd love to see the show. We saw Hamilton, uh, one of the touring shows of Hamilton, and it blew us away. And I'd love to see Six. I hope you do. Every time I go to a live theater show in New York, I love it. And I tell myself, I got to do more of that. And then five years pass before I do it again. You know, <laughs> it's, but every time I do yeah. it, I love it. Yes. So it's just a matter of effort. So, all right. Well, speaking of uh, inflammatory white people, Shag, you should go next. <laughs> um, so, so Rob shared an incredible story of <laughs> kindness and growing as a human being. And Stella shared a story <laughs> about her social awareness and how she's being. Uh, I think Animal Man was a really good revitalization <laughs> by Graham Morrison. Thank you. I'm done. Setting up Shag for failure. Stella, you are checking every box as a member of the Firewater Podcast. <laughs> you are just um, knocking it out of the park. So, uh, Ryan, have you heard of the pandemic? <laughs> uh, I think there was a joke about it in one of the shows that I watched. Yeah, I mean, so. um, well, the, the, my approach to the, the answer that Steve asked was actually going to sort of kind of coincide with the same thing with the next question that we got from Matt right. Ryan. So I'm going to kind of jump down. Um, so Matt Ryan said, lots of great ideas here. I'd be interested to hear what, if anything, has changed for you all since the pandemic. Interests, worldview, relationships, anything like that. Um, and kind of the big new thing that kind of occupying a lot of my time and interest uh, has been music. And once I turned 40 years old, I, I kind of wanted to make a big change. And I was like, I, I hear good things about being a hipster. I'm really going to lean into that. Um, so <laughs> I, I got, I got into collecting music on vinyl. Um, cause I, I love music, but I was like, how can I make this a more expensive and B less convenient? <laughs> vinyl records. This is awesome. This is incredible. So how can I help sink my house into the ground? <laughs> there, you go, there you go. Um, so yeah, that's, that's part of it was when, when I started podcasting and, and listening to podcasts, that was all that I was listening to. And then when all, all of my time was listening to shows, recording shows, editing shows, and I always had earbuds or headphones or something in my ears, but I wasn't listening to any new music and I missed that. And then once I started adding music to my shows, I was just going back to the well of my own favorite songs. I was just kind of building a soundtrack of stuff that I already knew. And it occurred to me, like, as I was doing the Fire and Water record show with my brother, that I, I had really been missing out. And there were artists that I liked that I hadn't heard in five or more years. And I'm like, what was going on? So part of this was really just trying to re-engage in music. And I, I felt like doing it this way of actually having to force myself to physically commit to the medium of actually doing the work of the process of holding physical media in my hands again, in a way that I wasn't really familiar with. Cause I didn't grow up. I, I mean, my dad had a huge vinyl collection, but I didn't listen to the music by the time, like I was old enough. I had cassettes or then CDs and stuff. So just holding the vinyl in my hand was a different experience. And then the smell of it, the weight of it, putting it on the turntable, like putting the stylus in and playing it that way. And then having to turn, 
turn it over. Just engaging with a, a new art form that way, it just became this revitalizing experience for myself, um, to, to borrow the, the term that Steve Gibbons used in the previous question. So there was just something very rejuvenating kind of about it, about getting back into this medium and this art form that I love. And it stopped being just collecting my top 20 favorite albums. Now I'm looking for new stuff, artists that I haven't heard before, you know, bands, different genres, getting into, you know, record clubs online and everything that send me something new every month. Um, and it's just been, it's been a whole lot of fun, expensive as hell. Um, and, <laughs> but okay. I, I committed to that. So all right, this is what we're doing now. This is how we live. So. Good, good luck finding that Star Wars Christmas album with John Bon Jovi and uh, Wookiees. Uh, <laughs> what do you get a Wookiee for Christmas? I hope you find it, buddy. hope so. I got to say, related to vinyl, Ryan, uh, something I've, I've mentioned before when Kelly and I have been out and going to antique stores or rec- record stores, whatever, is like, I love uh, the out, like, soundtrack vinyl record sleeves especially from like the 50s and 60s and 70s mm-hmm. the cover art is so gorgeous and you know i i i grew up being an artist uh, and many of you might not be familiar with that but uh i you know and i still have some connection to that world and i have such appreciation for 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 artwork nowadays because movies don't get to do it much anymore it's all just tiles you know on streaming services you rarely see anything with any real great visual flair because it's all just got to be a title in the head title in the head and i i've said a bunch of times if i had unlimited space not even so much money because you can get these things pretty cheap but if i had unlimited space i would collect old like movie soundtrack covers just so Mm. i could frame them and put them on a wall because i love the artwork so much but i mean it's like who has that kind of wall spell? I mean, this isn't yeah. Wayne Manor, you know what I mean? Like five, <laughs> five records and that's it. The wall's filled, you know? But it's like, if I ever had some giant wall to fill, I would do that because I love that artwork so much. I'll, I'll show you a picture of it. I got uh, a, a copy of The Empire Strikes Back score by John oh. Williams, obviously. Um, it's, a, it's an exclusive printing for Newberry Comics. Wow. And the cover is like a painted image of Luke on Hoth. Uh, in his, his snow gear and everything with the tauntaun, and I'll, I'll show you a picture of it. It's a really cool cover. Yeah, I just, I absolutely just love all that stuff. It's just amazing. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned the the, the follow up question by uh, by Matt Ryan because yeah, as he says, you know, he kind of asked something similar about what has changed for you all since the pandemic, interest, worldview, relationships, anything like that. And related to that, there was something I wanted to mention is that uh, kind of talking what we just talked about online socially i think i've learned to kind of be more cognizant that there are real people there you know what i mean like i know that sounds silly because of course of course there are but i think we all can lose sight that there's a there's a real human typing this thing you know and reading this thing and maybe you should be more careful about what you say to somebody because you don't you start to forget that it's a person and, and the example i can think of is a couple of months ago, uh, Citizen Kane came out on the, they really released it in the theater on the big screen. And I went to see it. And because I was working on the Citizen Kane minute show, I got a custom t-shirt made of the title card from the end of that movie where it says Orson Welles production direction and Greg Tolan cinematography. It's like the most famous, you know, sort of credit related to that movie because Orson Welles gave the cinematographer equal billing and it was a big deal. And I made it a t-shirt. 
I just took the still and got it custom made. And I wore the shirt to the screening of Orson Welles of Citizen Kane. And I got a picture of myself wearing it. And yeah, it's nerdy, but so what? I'm a nerd. And this guy online, like, just dinged me for it. And I was like, kind of, I wasn't even so much I was hurt by it because this is some stranger, but it was just sort of like, wow, like, you don't know me. And you're just like, you think it's okay to just insult someone that you don't know because I wore a t-shirt that you think is nerdy. And it just sort of like, I mean, you know, insults fly all the time across social media, but that one just made me sit back a little and go, God, this person doesn't even think that I'm a person over here, you know, like, and I just was like, all right. And so on my end, I try and remember, Hey, you know, you know, there's the instinct to be cutting and be funny and whatever. And then I just think, you know what, what kind of, what am I putting out in the world? You know, you know what? I don't need to be nasty to this person. I can just let that ride. The world doesn't need another insulting comment from somebody online. So I'm trying to be more cognizant of, of that kind of stuff. So I'm sorry to get all touchy feely in these questions, but uh, Steve and Matt have uh, brought this out of me. I, I apologize for my comment, Rob. <laughs> yes, yes, as well you should. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'll I'll go next. So, since we're being touchy feel, this is something I don't typically talk about. Actually, this is something most people don't talk about. Uh, relationships. He asked about relationships. Relationships are hard. Uh, marriages. You know, we all everyone. You know, Facebook's the world's greatest lie. Everyone pretends everything's great in their life. Marriages are hard. I've been married for seventeen years. We've had really good years. We've had really bad years, and. It takes work to make these things successful. And I've been working from home for eight years now. And we've always, my wife and I have always joked this whole time that if she ever had to work from home, also, we would kill each other. It would be a double homicide right away sort of thing. Well, obviously, that's, she's been working. That's What's legal that? in Florida, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously, we've been working from home together now for almost two years. And surprisingly, it's actually made us a lot stronger as a couple. Um, our relationship's a lot healthier. We have a lot more respect for each other's jobs. It's, it's actually really wonderful. And they just announced a little while ago that her office is going like you, Rob, fully permanent from home. And we're excited about it. And, um, it's, it's been a really positive thing. I mean, the pandemic has been horrible, but this is one small shiny thing that came out of it is it, it made things better. So not, not that things were awful before, but I mean, it's, uh, like I said, it's a, it's work. A real relationship takes work. I mean, look at good Lord. Look at Rob and I's relationship. That's a hell of a (laughs) Hell of a tough task. We work at it every day. We do. We do. <laughs> Stella, what about you? Uh, with with the COVID pandemic, uh, I think it overall, you know, COVID is is not the best. But I think some positive things did come <laughs> out of it. I think a greater awareness and acceptance that mental health is important, and that some people do have mental health issues and you can't just pretend that that doesn't exist. So I I am happy about that. I, it made me be creative and how I reached out to people because I knew that while I was alone, it was hard to be alone during holidays and not see my family. I felt like there are probably people that are having, you know, a worse time and I'm going to try to do something for them. So I would do something called isolation sniping where I would call them without any warning, (laughs) (laughs) without any warning on Facebook uh, Messenger or, you know, FaceTime, which one time apparently I I caught um, Professor Cheapskate, Cheapskate, a.k.a. Professor Alan Middleton, in the bath. So he had to call me back. 
But um, <laughs> oh my yeah, gosh. I would just call them unawares and just check in on them and, and and talk with them and everything. And I think for the most part, it was it like made their day, you know, or at least there was there was a person to person contact. So it made me rethink and be creative about how to pursue relationships. Because as Shag said, you know, they are difficult and, and isolation makes it even more difficult. Um, so that was good. And I think I've become, I think, I mean, I'm general, I don't consider myself a nice person necessarily or like super friendly, I'll say. But I've tried to be like even more consider like I go out of my way because I'm trying to make up for the people who are the opposite now and it's gotten worse with COVID where they just think about themselves. So I, I, you know, I just worry about other people. So for example, on Saturday, apparently I was exposed to a COVID positive patient. I didn't find out about it until Tuesday because she wasn't tested on Saturday, left the hospital, came back in, got tested and was positive. So of course I was having a wonderful Tuesday morning. Get in. Just want to let you know you were that patient you were with that actually there's a whole story with that, but that patient you were with, she's COVID positive. I'm like, this is great. Do I need to go home? What do I need to do? Should I be going? Because I'm in and out of patients' rooms constantly because as a tech, I go in before the therapist and set the room up and everything. And I don't get close to the patient. I'm like pretty decent, you know, distance when I'm just telling them who I am and what I'm doing. But I was just nervous. Like if I get sick, I get sick. I've been doubly vaccinated and the booster, but I'm just worried about these other people who are already in the hospital for some reason. And here I am. But I kept being told, no, you're fine. Called employee health. You're not showing symptoms. You're fine. I'm like, you know what? Okay. But it just worries me like for other people. So I think I'm like super, super considerate now. And I only think of, of other people. So perhaps this is maybe not necessarily maybe more friendly. I think it has made me kinder than I may have been. So some positive effects of COVID. And I can testify your uh, unexpected Facebook callings do brighten people's day. <laughs> they do brighten people's day. Oh, so. oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I would talk to you if I was in the bath. What's the difference? What's the- no! <laughs> no! My eyes! Oh, my, my eyes! Yeah. I'm not saying I wouldn't turn FaceTime on, but I would just say, "What's that's what she calls she calls people on video, Rob." Oh, I see. Well, she said call. I didn't know if it was a video person. Obviously, she never called you. No, well, yeah, that's obvious. (laughs) So, all right, uh, let's move on. After that awkward segue, let's talk to Mike. A question from Mike (laughs) Dinas. He says, "Since we love, since we nerds love nostalgia, maybe look back at your podcasting start. Anything you would change? And if there was an Earth Two version of you." What would they be podcasting about? Well, okay, obviously, if there's an Earth 2 version of me, he'd be wearing yellow gloves at the time. Uh, I, I would say, um, I, I've said this before, I have at least six different ideas for shows that I don't have time to do. At least six. And I actually came up with a new one the other day. So I guess it's seven. And I just don't have time for them. I will. I don't have time for the ones I do now. So I like to think that the Earth 2 version of me who fought in World War II uh, is podcasting about those ideas. That's what I, that's what I, I hope. I hope that, uh, that poor bastard is enjoying his life, uh, over on earth too. And as a uh, podcasting and in terms of our podcasting start, I mean, geez, Shag and I just started, started, we've talked about this on, on other episodes. Um, you know, we just sort of didn't really think it would, I didn't really think about it. You know, <laughs> we just started, we wanted to talk about Aquaman and Firestorm and maybe some who's who, 
And it just sort of started from there. And then it just spiraled out into this whole thing. And uh, again, I've said this on other shows. It's, it's the greatest creative enterprise I've ever been involved with. It's the best bunch of people I've ever been involved with. And uh, it's, I, I, it is the thing I enjoy as a creative outlet I've, I've ever enjoyed in my life. And so thank goodness that uh, we started this and we didn't know what we were doing. We kind of still don't know what we're doing, but we, you know, we're, <laughs> we're a little bit better than we were, but I mean, you know, we just sort of blundered into it and, and now, uh, and now here we are. So that's, I don't know. That's what I'd say about our, our podcasting start. Shag, what would, what would you say? Well, I was going to say, that's the first time Rob's ever told that story without the other line he always says is, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done it, which it's always true. like stabs me a little in the heart. Um, <laughs> I've said before, when I started the Firestorm Fan blog, uh, which is what led to the podcast, uh, I didn't want to do Firestorm Fan. I wanted to do a JSA one. So, Mike, to answer your question, what would an Earth 2 version of me be doing? It would be podcasting about Earth 2. Actually, the JSA Presents show is a little bit of an offshoot of where I wanted to go with that. But I would have started all the way back in 2011, a podcast on JSA covering the 1970s All-Star Comics, the 10-issue Paraback series, the Jeff John series, all of it. And I would have just kept going and going and talking about, you know, do episodes on Dr. Midnight, Dr. Fate, everything I want the JSA Presents show to do to be that I don't have time for. That's, that's what I would have been doing. What about you, Stella? Uh, I'm sure <laughs> the Earth 2 version of Stella, just to spite me, is probably podcasting about Wuthering Heights and Joker. <laughs> so that's probably what she's doing. So let's not go over there. But yeah. um, not, not soccer? I thought it'd be soccer. Oh, well, yeah, if it's, a, if it's like a positive thing. Yeah, I could see doing that. That'd be fun. Um, not sure about anything. You know, the Kitty Pride is always something that's kind of in the back of my mind because she's my favorite Marvel character, I would say, specifically X-Men. But if I think about um, that, that would be an interesting journey to go on, probably in the same vein as, as Barbara. If I go back and think about, like, my beginnings, which I actually did because I for a long time had thought I should have kept track of all of the songs I've used in my show <laughs> illegally or illegally, who knows, but I decided to go through and catalog all of them, which took a time, but it was almost cringy, you know, looking back 2010 and what those early episodes were just having a better mic, I think. And my affect I think is completely different 10 years ago than it is now. I mean, shag the first time I spoke to you, which was with Michael Bailey, I think, on. I came on, like, maybe an anniversary show or something to, to ask a question. Just remember being very low affect. I think just trying to, I don't know, maybe not rock the boat or have much of a personality. I'm not sure what I was thinking back then. But now... You, you sounded asleep. I listened back, <laughs> and you said, literally the first time we ever spoke, you sound like you were bored. <laughs> uh, yeah see that wasn't my intention but that's just how it came off so I'm completely different than I was but I just feel bad like if someone is starting to listen to my show and they listen to the first ones are they going to stick with it or you know yeah so it's been it's been an interesting ride to, to look back of, of where I came from my humble podcasting beginnings I, for one, look forward to the From Sprite to Shadow Cat, a Catherine P Pride podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, what's the Earth 2 uh, Count Drunkula like? Uh, Earth 2 Ryan is probably doing a podcast on college football playoffs. 
And the only subscribers are my brother and Dr. Ange. <laughs> um, uh, looking at, uh, looking back at my podcast, like, well, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have joined the network. Um, Ouch. There you go. There you go. I had to, you, you wouldn't let Rob say it, so I had to. Um, would I have made anything? Would I have done things different? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would have, uh, considering the number of shows I've stopped and started and haven't finished and haven't gone the way. Yeah, I would have done things so differently. The, the biggest, like, I, I could have never done Secret Origins, like, at a different time or in a different way. It, it had to be then and the way I did it. And it's the, I, I, I'm glad that I did it that way. And I'll, I'll always look at that as a great, a great achievement of my life, podcasting or otherwise. Um, so I'm glad that that worked out exactly as it did. Um, with a, I mean, I could nitpick a few things. Yeah, but yeah, I, I won't even get into that. That that show is a thing of itself that I wouldn't want to change. And yeah, don't need to look back at it more than that. That show was amazing. I mean, just damned amazing, Ryan. What an accomplishment. I've gone back and listened to many of the episodes over and over, and it's, it is an incredible work you pulled together with the different guests and the speed, the pace at which you did it. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just unparalleled, man. It's a real testament to you. I know. We talked all about it in volume two. And I got that <laughs> out of my system. So. All right. So next up, uh, David is Gutierrez again with the questions. Uh, what's a fact about yourself that you've never disclosed? Like, <laughs> nice <laughs> try, Dave. Next question. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> ro- like Rob loves to garden. Ryan's love of modern dance, that sort of thing. Uh, David's trying to be funny by his his comment about me loving to garden, but I that's actually my answer. Whoa! Uh, yeah. Now I don't love to garden. In fact, I have zero interest in gardening. But uh, my better half loves it. And we watch a lot of gardening shows and I have learned to really love gardening shows uh, for two reasons. One kind of related to what we talked about. There's so much meanness out there. I kind of like the sort of like gardening gardeners world subset of people. I'm sure like in any group of people, there's a percentage that are a bunch of dicks. That's just the way it is. Uh, I used to think that couldn't be in, with comic books, but boy, is that not true. Um, <laughs> there, there must be some people in the gardening world that are jerks. They're just, that just have to be. But you don't see them on these shows. These are just kind of quiet people who just like to make things grow and make them look pretty and make the environment a little better because it gives the chance for insects to pollinate and all these things. And so I love these gardening shows as much as she does, even though I have zero interest in actually getting my hands dirty and putting things together. Like I literally have zero interest in that, but I love watching it. I love watching Kelly tend to her garden. And uh, so that has been, that I really do enjoy it. And there's a show that comes from, from England called Gardener's World. It's been on like 50 years from England. It's like as long as Dr. Who's been around and they do it, you know, just during the, the summer season. So it, it, it's off the air through the winter and like when it goes off the air in October, I get upset. I genuinely get upset because I'm like, oh, where's I, you know, like, well, my garden's well. It genuinely bothers me that uh, I get to, it, it doesn't, you know, I don't get to see it and watch these people. And the other thing is, these are people being creative. 
You know, it's, it's people enjoying their creativity. And even though I don't share that particular creativity, I can transpose my love of these things to their love of their garden. And so uh, I really, I really appreciate it. And I, you know, I'm looking forward to, we'll have a house one day and she can have a nice big garden and I can have my podcasting studio overlooking it. That's what I'm looking forward to. So I know David was trying to make a joke, uh, but I really do. Like I said, gardening is something I never in a million years would have thought I had any interest in. And now, you know, we watch a dozen different shows and there's a podcast to listen to. And in fact, our dog Pippa is named after a host from an English uh, gardening show named Pippa Greenwood. That's where she's partly named after. So, uh, it's really been kind of a big thing, and I really enjoy, uh, again, our garden out here. I can see it on our on our balcony from from my recording. So that's uh, that's something I've never disclosed. So nice try, David. <laughs> Ryan, come on, you got to come up with something, buddy. Uh, if Dave wants to hear something I've never disclosed, he can come at me with a subpoena. But <laughs> there's a reason I haven't disclosed it. <laughs> For God's sakes, we talk about spooning on the air. Ryan has shared everything he's willing to share, folks. <laughs> Fair enough, Stella. Uh, um, I, well, I guess th- this is going to sound strange, but hopefully, you can meet me where I am. You know, I enjoy finding. Uh, you know, I'm a shipper, of course. I just love love, and I have in the in the past couple years. I found some really great uh, lesbian-led romance films. Uh, some of them are ex- exceptionally beautiful. Now, there are some duds, I think, that just like every other romance film, there are duds out there. But Portrait of a Lady on Fire is probably one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Great movie. Um, the World, what'd you say? Great movie. We saw that in yes. the theater. Oh, so good. I've seen it multiple times. Um, just the stillness of it and the, oh, it's so good. I could talk about it. Um, I recently saw The World to Come with uh, Catherine Watterson and Vanessa Kirby. And that was another like stillness, but in um, post, I think it, may, it might be 1856, New York. And, and just what is that like? So just seeing uh, that romance, just because I think there's something special um, that women have. Uh, relationships with each other that might not you might not necessarily see it's just a different type of relationship obviously than like a heterosexual couple or a male male couple and uh, I also like just female-led dramas and things like that so finding things like that and I'm not looking you know for erotica I'm just looking for you know what is this the relationship and and looking for the beauty in that and as I said I'm a huge shipper so that's something that I didn't I've not necessarily disclosed that I look for those sorts of things but I am going to talk about it on another show so I figured why not talk about it now but I highly recommend Portrait of a Lady on Fire just really top-notch cinematography um and and what is it like to to look through the eyes of of a woman rather than the male gaze no music except for one particular scene it's really whoo it's so good so there you go something i've never disclosed that i have just now stella um the one of the shows that i mentioned previously uh the haunting of bly manor yeah the the protagonist uh, there's a there's a lesbian romance at the heart of the main main story and it's a it's really, it's very effectively told. It's probably the best part of the story. So, I'll have to put that on my list. Um, 
I don't think I've ever shared this on the air. Uh, it's not any deep, dark secret, but just a, a corner of me I don't typically talk about. And it actually comes full circle here. Uh, I'm a, a big fan of Norman Rockwell and have been my whole life uh, to the point where I have framed prints of his work hanging in my house. Uh, previous houses, I had several of his prints hanging in the house. I've got numerous coffee table books. I've traveled to other cities, go to art shows dedicated to Norman Rockwell. Uh, I've been really, really inspired by his work. Just It's sort of like what you were talking about earlier, Rob, about just being nice to each other. It, it, it demonstrates a slice of Americana that never existed. I mean, it, the world was never that nice to each other, but it, 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 it's a suggestion that we should ascribe to be better people and be nice to each other and, and also be proud of our country. And it's just something that I see a lot of love for, or I feel a lot of love for when I see it, a yearning for like, I wish the world was nicer when I see this artwork. And, it, you know, obviously being a lover of comic books, I like good art. So, I mean, it's just that it's sort of an extension of it. It's probably why Alex Ross appeals to me so much as well as everyone else's too. So my family's been very supportive of this. My, my wife's taken me out of town to art shows. My, my mother's arranged for me to go to art shows. And my mom subscribed to years for this magazine called Smithsonian Magazine. <laughs> and there was a Norman Rockwell article in there. So she ripped it out of the magazine, threw it in the mail, and sent it to me. And I'm like, oh, cool. And I'm looking at the, art, the article, and there's this artwork that goes with it, which was not Norman Rockwell's artwork, but it was original artwork. And I'm looking at it, and son of a bitch, it says, Art by Rob Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> how insane what a small freaking world that my passion for norman rockwell my mother sending me this article from a magazine that i mean what it's got to have like what three subscribers or something i don't know and you did the art man how how insane is that <laughs> that was funny. you were so excited when you told me about that because i didn't know that you were into norman rockwell it never would have occurred i mean had I known, I would have said something. But I mean, I was doing gigs all the time back then, and it was just another gig. It was, it was a, you know, it was cool because Smithsonian's a name. I'm always looking for something that I could put on a resume and say, "Hey, I did something here." But yeah, it never occurred to me to mention it to you. And then yeah, it just showed up. It's <laughs> like, oh yeah, so so weird, so weird. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll lead us into the next question then. Um, it, it's from Chuck Coletta. He gave us a lot of different options. A whole to talk show about. could be just Chuck's question. Yep. So I, I tell you what we're going to do, guys. I'm just going to read the piece I'm going to respond to. And if you guys want to chime in on Chuck's, you read the piece that you're responding to. So the, 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 so we only read the parts that make the most sense. So one of Chuck's questions was, what were your parents' favorite things in pop culture or pop music when they were growing up? So my parents are, are my memories at least, of, of uh, my, well, they're still around. They sounded terrible. Anyway, my mother growing up, I remember constantly Neil Diamond was playing in the house. I mean, always playing. I mean, Hot August Night was like the biggest thing that ever happened in my house with my mother. She played Neil Diamond all the time. And whenever we have a big celebration for her or anniversary or we do like a video slideshow for her, it's always Neil Diamond music. But what I really want to talk about was my dad because my dad was a musician. I mean, he played in a lot of bands. He was a guitarist. He was a lead singer. He, he all the way through like uh, most of the late fifties and all the way through the sixties and then into later on in the seventies is, is like the, you know, the Elks Lodge kind of stuff. He played in bands all the time. In fact, there was a number of years where he was traveling with one of the members from the ink spots. Uh, this guy had gone off on his own and my dad was in that band with him. So just huge, huge love for music in my family. Unfortunately, did not get passed down to me. I, I don't have a passion for music, which is unfortunate. But uh, I have a lot of memories tied up with my dad, just playing the guitar and singing. I, I would beg him to play the Batman theme, you know, da na 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 na, and the guitar, and he would play it for me all the time. And oh, 
Now, one more pop culture thing with my parents. Uh, it's a funny story. So it was early 1970. My, my parents have told me this story several times. They went to a double feature. They went to go see Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which was huge. I mean, this movie was massive. If you've ever seen it, it's fantastic. It's, it's really exceptional. It's Paul Newman and uh, uh, Robert Redford. It's a phenomenal movie. And the movie had been out for a few months. And this was, what they, it was a double feature, like a double billing kind of thing. So you pay for one movie and you get to see two. So they're watching Butch Cashton Sundance Kid. And as if you, again, if you've seen it, it's super fun. You walk out of that, you just feel like a million bucks. You feel energized. It's lots of fun. Well, the second movie that starts after that was, uh, was kind of depressing. It's like a lot of death and blood and suicide and stuff like that. So my parents left the theater halfway through a movie called MASH. So <laughs> That's a great double feature. I mean, I mean, it really is, but they really don't go together. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> wow. So what about you, Ryan? You got anything from, Charles, uh, from Chuck's messages you want to touch on? <laughs> Yeah, um, the, the next question after that, he asked, have you ever cried at a movie or a TV show? Um, I, I remember, you know, several years ago, Shag would often say that, you know, after he became a father, he cries at everything. Mm-hmm. He cries at the, you know, commercials and everything, everything makes him. And I was like, all right, nice job, Snowflake, you know, whatever. <laughs> and life found a way of punishing me for mocking him. Um, because... After I became a father, yeah, I cry all the time now. Like, I, I'm watching all these Disney Pixar movies with Reese, and I'm bawling at Toy Story 3 and all of Oh, these, my like, God, movies. yes. But, like, 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 almost everyone. But the weirdest one, the one that, like, still shakes me, the fact that this even happened, was only, like, two weeks after he was born, I was watching Terminator 2 Judgment Day because I think Mike Gillis and, and Casey Dorn were doing their um, their Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast and they were covering the Terminator movies. So to catch up with that, I watched Terminator 2. Hadn't seen it in 15 years, maybe. I, I don't know why. Um, but I'm re-watching it. And I'm all, a, a, at the end of the movie, the climax, you know, Arnold, the Terminator, realizes he, in order to protect them, he has to self-terminate. He has to destroy the CPU in his brain, which means they have to lower him into this molten metal and basically kill him off. And throughout the course of the movie, he has become a surrogate father to John Connor, the, you know, the kid that he had to protect. And John is pounding on his chest saying, I order you not to go. You can't leave me. Don't leave me. And, and Arnold's like hugs him and says, I know why you cry, but it's something I can never do. And I'm holding my two-week-old child sobbing uncontrollably. And for some reason, I say, this is going to be us one day. (laughs) 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 And I assume what I meant was at some point he's going to have to let me go and pull the plug. But all I could imagine is... Is he going to have to throw me into lava one day? <laughs> and knowing how much my kid, four years later, really likes lava as a concept, and like the, the game, the, the floor is lava, I'm kind of scared now for my safety. But I just, I remember crying during Terminator 2 saying, this is going to be our situation one day. I'm going to throw see. you in just so you can see your skeleton. I'll give him the thumbs up, just like Colonel does. I could, I could see Reese going. I have the higher ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right, this movie Ste- costs so much money. Oh my god, it's so expensive. Stella, what about you? Did any of Chuck's questions uh, 
spark your interest? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, of course I've cried at a movie or TV show. I mean, not just because I'm female, but, you know, I have a heart. But I'll say uh, probably <laughs> number seven, one place you've always wanted to travel but haven't. And I think uh, I think I can bill you guys now that I'm on the show to send me someplace. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works, yeah. Yeah, no. I So I've been very blessed and given the privilege to travel many different places. So I've been to Australia, Italy four times, uh, Switzerland, France, Kenya and greece and i would actually really love to go to the uk uh spend probably most of my time in england but also because it's pretty close to scotland and ireland also see that of course there's the roman connection for people who don't know i'm a classicist by trade even though i'm in a weird moment in my life but i will get back to my latin so seeing some of that, I've also really gotten into um, football, like actual football recently, Manchester City. So And just taking up uh, culture, you know, new culture and seeing what England is like and the beautiful countrysides, picturesque and all of that idyllic. I would love to go there and I'm hopeful. So I have plans with someone like tentative plans. And now I'm thinking when I graduate grad school, I think this is like, where, what I should do is go to England as like, you did it. You've got your master's in education. Here's your treat and now get to work. So that's what I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Well, if you finally watch Doctor Who, then you can absolutely write off that trip. No, 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 no. <laughs> nice, nice try. <laughs> Stella, where in Greece have you been? Uh, Athens. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It's been, it's been a while since I've been over there. Um, and we I was there in 1999. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you were there in 1999. Yeah. Um, Athens is the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. That I was definitely there for a couple of days. Cool. What about you, Rob? Anything from uh, Chuck Coletta's questions oh, that light yeah. your fire? I mean, good Lord. There's so many, but I'll, so I'll just do a couple. Um, I mean, my favorite non-comics authors. I mean, like I love reading Mark Harris uh, writes a lot of nonfiction books about uh, the film industry. He wrote a great movie, a great uh, book called The Pi Pictures at a Revolution about the late 60s, uh, the changing uh, film uh, industry, which is great. And then he wrote another book called Five Came Back, which is about five uh, film directors who gave up their careers to serve in World War II. And that's a great book. And then they turned it into a, a documentary miniseries on Netflix, which I think anyone would appreciate. I don't think you need to be a, a film uh uh, like an absolute, you know, movie nerd to appreciate because um, it's it's just amazing, amazing story. So I like his books about uh, movies. And then um, I guess the other thing I would answer, have you ever cried at a movie? There were only two movies ever, right? Gutierrez loves to call me Rob Bot. There's only <laughs> two two movies that I have ever teared up at. And uh, it, they sound like I'm trying to be funny when I list them because they sound so ridiculous when sandwiched next to each other. Uh, one is Schindler's List. Uh, just because of the end of that movie where we see the real people. Um, you know, we, we see the actual people that this calamity happened to is just the enormity of it is just so powerful. And the other movie, again, it sounds so silly. Star Trek four, the voyage home. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know it sounds like I'm trying to be funny when he say those two movies together, but the scene of uh, Spock and Sarek at the end where, there's so much not said because they can't because they're Vulcans. Uh, and yet they're, they're right on the edge of 
having a real human conversation, but they can't quite because of who they are. Uh, I find that scene. I mean, I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's my favorite piece of Star Trek in any iteration ever. Uh, but just that scene always makes me misty-eyed because to me it's just so beautifully performed by these two actors who have such enormous history together, and it you know uh, it, it resonates in my life. That's all. That's all I will I will say about about that one. So tell her yeah. I feel fine. Exactly. It's just oh god, this is so beautiful. Um, all right. So next up is Martin Gray who says, nice one on expanding the scope. Things are getting so much brighter that getting away from lockdown talk is good. Some great suggestions from everybody. I especially like Charles's newspaper strips and author's idea. Miniseries and film and TV made you cry, but also be a fab. We just got to all those, Martin. Depending on when this is coming out, how about a favorite Halloween or Christmas film? And I love the underrated creator's idea. Can't sit to pipe up about that. And the feedback, favorite comic logos. We have talked about doing a, Chris and I specifically have talked about doing favorite logos podcast but Mm. you know it's a visual you know i mean it's kind of like what's the show well this lettering is really i mean you can see it in the gallery but to me it loses a little bit of its appeal so i naturally of course be very comfortable about talking about favorite comic book art but we never do we tend to don't do shows that focus on the art because of course there's no real visual to this medium but that is something chris and i have talked about of doing favorite logos or favorite letterers because it's such an unsung thing so martin that's something that, that should be do. that should be something for the youtube page it agreed it absolutely should be well you know it's work putting that together so i'll let chris do that um so <laughs> uh as martin says depending when this is coming out favorite halloween or christmas film since we're just a couple of weeks from christmas let's do that my favorite christmas movie of all time is white christmas it's one of my favorite movies of all time uh we're going to be seeing it on the big screen just a couple days from now they're showing it in a revival uh, which are going to be great. I love that movie so utterly in every single way that Chris and I did an audio commentary for it many years ago, back when the network was not even a network. We just did it and put it up on a, put it up on the feed. I can't imagine what people were thinking. They used to Aquaman and Firestorm talk. And then here's Chris and I talking about white Christmas for two hours, but it is my all time favorite uh, Christmas movie. Cause it's one of my, I'd probably put it in my top five movies of all time. So uh, Stella, what's uh, do you have a particular favorite Christmas movie? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I, the first time I saw that, I remember it was like a midnight showing at an art house theater. That is where my parents live. And I remember before we even went into the theater, two people accosted us on the street and asked us like a trivia question or something. Uh, we found out, you know, at first we were like, why are these people talking to us? But then they asked us a trivia question and the answer was Elaine from Seinfeld. But uh, I think we got something free from that. But that was the first time I saw it. My mother and I went to see it and I, oh, I loved it so much. It was so funny. Probably my favorite part was when he puts, I think it's Pam or some sort of cooking spray on the bottom. Oh, it's, it's a special one they developed at his office. Yes, on the bottom of the, the, the donut sled. I can't remember. The saucer. And then he just zooms off. Um, I just find that a hilarious, hilarious film. And of course, there's a Moose Christmas mug. So that's specifically directed at me. Um, so yeah, that would be my number one, I think. Ryan? I mean, that's National Lampoon's Christmas is definitely up there for me. And that's a, a family favorite that goes back for a long time. In our, like we, we would quote all of William Hickey's lines as like the old grandma, like every time he has to like point to his teeth for his deaf wife and go, the blessing. That was something <laughs> we always did at the dinner table. We would joke about that. Um, 
Yeah, gosh, yeah, and I'm I'm watching so many now because the kid obviously likes these. I I still think, and I talked about this last year. Um, Mickey's Christmas Carol. I mean, a Christmas Carol is kind of my favorite ghost story and my favorite Christmas story on one. Um, and and somebody said every Christmas story is a ghost story. I can't remember who said that now, but I, I'm not that profound. So somebody else said that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just I I like the every version of a Christmas story, including Scrooge with your favorite actor Rob. Um, yeah. But oh. I really something about the Mickey Mouse version, how concise and how tight it is. I've always liked the animation version of that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, tons of them. Shag, hmm. uh, I'll tell a quick story about uh, about the National Lampoon Christmas Story. Uh, I I didn't have. Or Christmas Vacation. I didn't have any appreciation for that movie at all. Because growing up, I was like, you know, if it's not European Vacation, it's garbage. And uh, my wife convinced me to watch Christmas Vacation and, and really love it. And now we watch it every year. Every stinking year we love that movie so much. And um, it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And Ryan, you just named another one a second ago that uh, triggered in my head. And I've lost it entirely. Uh, this makes for great listening. What did you say, Scrooge. Ryan? Uh, Scrooge is another one of my favorites. What was the one you said before that? Oh, Christmas okay. Vacation. Okay. So ignore everything I just said, folks. What you said reminded me of another great one, which is uh, Muppets Family Christmas. Uh, the, the Muppets Family Christmas. It was a TV special. It's got the Fraggle Rock people. It's got the uh, Sesame Street people. And it's got the Muppets all together in this one little house. And it is absolutely adorable. And speaking of what made me think of, you're talking about people crying. That's what it was. Uh, I cry like a baby at the end. Every single, like my kids stop watching the show and watch me just to watch me cry. Because at the <laughs> end, all, all the ki- all the Muppets are together uh, celebrating. And, the, and they pan over to the kitchen and Jim Henson's washing the dishes. And it just gets me every time because it, was, it wasn't too long after that he passed away. So it's, it really, really gets me. But undeniably, of course, the greatest Christmas movie of all time is Die Hard. There's no discussion to be had there. So, all right, what's up? What's next, Rob? Okay. Uh, Adam Ackerman, he says, what is a I want to fight. Dish? No, I want to fight about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Ackerman, uh, what is a food dish from where you have lived or lived that someone should try if they can? As an example, I'm from Ohio, so Cincinnati-style chili, a chili that is as much Hungarian as it is Tex-Mex and is served on spaghetti, oh, Lord, with beans, onions, and day-glow cheddar cheese with a hot sauce and oyster crackers on the side. Whew, that's a, that's like that Green Arrow chili that he used to make in the old issue <laughs> Justice League of America. So, Shag, you've got – I see you already wrote one here, so why don't you go first? So I don't have any specific food to share myself because I'm from the South. So, I mean, boiled peanuts and sweet tea, whatever. Okay. But specifically because Adam Ackerman brought up the Cincinnati child style chili, I had never had it before. However, I went to go visit our friends from the network in Ohio. Uh, I went out to dinner with little Russell Burbage, Professor Alan Quarterbin, and Al Girding. Um, this is in October 2019. I've, I've had dinner with them a few times, but that time they insisted that we go to Skyline Chili in Ohio, which is exactly what Adam is describing. And I absolutely freaking loved this stuff. Now, it's, it's not fair to call it chili. And, this, and it, every time I've ever posted about it on Facebook, you get all these arguments about it because it's, it's not really chili at all. It's more like just spiced ground beef uh, with a bunch of flavors but it's well, regardless what my mouth is watering, regardless what it is, a lot of people call it garbage food. I mean, it, it tastes delicious and there's so much cheese on it. It's unbelievable. So yeah, I shared a picture here of uh, me and Alan and Russell and Al all together at Skyline uh, Diner. And I love it. So Adam, bless, bless where you're from, sir. Uh, I love that chili now. Wow. Ryan? 
So if anybody ever travels to the New England area, specifically Vermont and New Hampshire, if you go to a restaurant and you order like a breakfast restaurant and you're ordering like pancakes, French toast, something like that, anything that might involve syrup being served with you, the waitress or waiter, whoever, will probably ask you, do you want real maple syrup with that? There is one correct answer to that. You have to say, of course I do, or in some way inflect that you think it is a silly kind of trick question, <laughs> because that is the only acceptable answer. Real maple syrup from Vermont or New Hampshire. If you say, uh, sure, whatever, or surprise me, or in my case, I don't care, all syrup tastes pretty much the same to me. <gasps> They will not treat you well. They will not completely cook your food. (laughs) They will overcharge you. And when you leave the restaurant, there will be half a dozen men in flannel shirts waiting to beat you up. (laughs) So just know that if you go to a restaurant in Vermont or New Hampshire, of course I want real maple syrup. Is there any other kind? Is the correct response. They take this shit seriously. Wow. Thank you for the survival tip. Jeez, wow. I'm glad I didn't stop in Vermont on our way to Maine a couple of months ago. Sounds like a rough place. <laughs> Stella? He, Ryan just said a bad word. I hope you bleep that out. Um, <laughs> uh, it's I, late. Oh, Things I, get a little blue. <laughs> I see, I see. Um, I've been censoring I, myself throughout this entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing a good job, sir. Uh, all I can say are pierogies. I was born in Pennsylvania, but I always like to say I'm from Buffalo because that's where I live more of the time. But pierogies seem to be a Pennsylvanian thing. I'm sure it might be elsewhere, but it's a a, a pocket of potatoes wrapped in dough. It, it, it's better than it sounds. But you kind of have a choice of having the pierogi plain, having the pierogi with ketchup, or having the pierogi with honey, you have all sorts of, of options. Sometimes they season the pierogi. Sometimes the, the potato inside is, um, and it's, it's smashed potatoes. But, yeah, I feel like I'm not doing a good job. Hopefully people are like, yeah, I know what a pierogi is. But I would say that's probably the only location-specific thing I, I could guess. I'm thinking about Charlottesville and what specific thing I can think of. I can't, besides the... The white spot, which is a a drunken <laughs> a location to go when you're intoxicated on the corner of the University of Virginia, and it's just a late night spot for people to soak up all of those juices, and it's an egg on top of a hamburger patty, and then of course the bun and everything. But I don't eat beef, so I never engaged in that activity. But that would probably be like very Charlottesville specific. I feel left out. Every time I come see you, you make you take me to a Mexican restaurant. Okay, I don't think those mm-hmm. are my choices. Those are my choices. I don't know where to go. You pick. Uh, you but and Tom Painter. You, you and Tom Painter. You said led me wrong. Whatever. I, I probably was Tom. Let's blame Tom. It's easier that way. Fine. Uh, for me, I mean, I've lived in New Jersey my whole life. We don't really have any. Uh, region-specific food. Most of the food in New Jersey's got ground-up mobsters in it, so you really don't eat any oh. of that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, how else are you going to get rid of the bodies? Uh, I will say the one food I've discovered 
in the last couple of years, and that was thanks to thanks to Kelly, is where our apartment is really centrally located to in the middle of a thousand great restaurants. I mean, they're just every kind of food. And I have never, up until recently, I never had Mediterranean food. Uh, and there is a marvelous Mediterranean place right across the street from this place. And it is delightful. It is, I've literally never had a bad meal there. Uh, and as a vegetarian, there are vegetarian options, which is, is great. Uh, it is just, and they are the nicest. I mean, God, they're just the nicest people in there. They're like so appreciative that you like, buying food during a pandemic or whatever. And so uh, they're just the sweetest and they're just great. So that, that food's really been enjoyable. And I'm glad that that's, I have a very limited palate. Uh, Kelly likes to say that I eat like a raccoon, you know, cause it's like, I kind of like throw together meals where I'm like, I don't know, eight Pringles and a half of a bagel and some chocolate milk. That's dinner, right? You know, like that's kind of like, like, you know, so uh, luckily I've been eating a, a lot better and a lot more complete lately. So, but Mediterranean food, I would say, if you haven't tried it, uh, give it a shot. So uh, we're down to our last question, Jack. All right. So the final question is for Mark Baker Wright. He says, how are you handling re-entry? Have you attended any conventions? Is it just a shock to be back in the office? How respectful are those around you, like coworkers, fans, whoever, of what boundaries you're setting for yourself and or your families? Well, I can tell you Rob's terrible at respecting my boundaries. Um, never have, never but, but uh And Mark Baker, I feel like this question was seated for me because I'm actually going to be with Mark Baker right at a convention uh, in just a few months. So uh, that will be my first big convention, actually. We'll be with him. So, Mark, I'll, I'll let you know how my experience goes while I'm standing next to you in line. So I, I've done one local convention, and it was, it was like in June or July. And so it was kind of that period where we all thought this thing was over. So people were starting to get lazy with the masks and everything. We were, everyone was supposed to wear one, but a lot of people didn't. And uh, it was a little, a little loose on that. And then, you know, of course, this thing all came raging back at us. So, um, yeah, I... I my, I had a freak out moment in the grocery store. Like when I finally, when people started really getting out back into larger groups, I had a freak out moment in the grocery store one day. I was in the produce section. It was with my daughter. She's, uh, she's 15. And suddenly I just felt claustrophobic. And, I, and I'm not someone to suffer from claustrophobia. I, I don't suffer from it at all. And there were just too many people too close to me. And I freaked. And I'm like, we're out of here. And I just, I shoved my car. I didn't hit anybody, but I, mean, I, I might as well have. I mean, I just barreled out of the produce section over to, I don't know, somewhere like probably the health food. No one in Florida goes to the health food section. And, uh, <laughs> and just, just had to get away. And so uh, I had a little bit of a tough time. So uh, what about you, Rob? Uh, I have not been to a convention yet. I'm a little leery just because, I mean, you can get sick at a convention pre-COVID, you know? I mean, just, <laughs> you know, I mean, really, I mean, there's just a lot of, you know, crud flying around in there. And uh, I've been fortunate, but I conventions, I'm a little like, mm, I'm going to hold off a little bit longer. I mean, I'm vaxxed. I'm not really concerned about that. I go to movies. I wear a mask, but I, I go to movies and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, a convention, I think I got to give it another couple, maybe the summer, not the winter, but maybe summer I would, uh, I would consider, uh, trying that again. And as I mentioned, I won't be going back to the office, which I got to admit, you know, that's really big plus thanks to COVID is that we're, it's, it's life-changing. It's really life-changing. I have, you know, not wasting an hour and a half of my day driving anymore and, we adopted, uh, I mentioned our dog Pippa, we adopted her seven months ago and we've got to spend all our time with her. We've got to bond with her as opposed to having to leave her, you know, eight hours a day while we're at the office. So that's just been 
absolutely fantastic. So uh, yeah, conventions still a little iffy, but I'm I'm looking to go back and because I do I would love to start interacting with everybody again and stuff like that. So someday soon, but uh, not just yet. So Ryan, why don't you uh, why don't you go? Kind of the same. Um, wondering if I mean if if a large group of people like if our community were doing something in. 2022, then yeah, maybe I would be comfortable enough doing that. But if not, maybe wait another year. Uh, we'll kind of see how Omicron treats us. Um, but yeah, I, I fully back. I actually, I just got the booster shot last weekend um, and blessedly had no real severe side effects to even speak of. I kind of dodged the one there. Um, but yeah, I, I still, um, when I go out somewhere in public, I still wear a mask, even though in large, largely because even if, you know, with the vaccine and now the booster and everything, even if my chances of getting it are greatly diminished, I still have a son who is too young to get a vaccine um, and will be for another year or so. So I, I need to take every precaution. So I'm still wearing masks whenever I go to the grocery store or the gas station or something. And interesting because now I'm hearing from more people who are like, the people who wear masks are the ones who aren't vaccinated. So I was like, oh, do people assume that I'm not vaccinated when they see me wearing one? But I don't know. Most, I, I, I see most people still wearing them, but um, yeah. And I'll go, I've gone to a few movies and, and worn the mask, except when I'm, you know, eating popcorn or taking a drink or something. And it kind of depends on how comfortable I am in the surroundings or how spread out we are. But uh I mean, I hear I hear what you're saying about like the chance of catching something, but I think if I was willing to go to a concert or, or something like that, then going to a convention, I mean, yeah, it's sort of, it's how badly do I want to see my friends? And that's, you know, it's like by, from weekend to weekend, that could be, I really want to see some of you guys, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Hope so. All right. Well, Stella, you get the last word. Oh, great. Um, I feel like I was thrust into it anyways, just with being in healthcare for the past year and a half now, it's it's been pretty wild. And you'd think that everyone would be on the same page, but not necessarily. So let's just say that Uh, I, people do tease me in the office. Now the teasing has settled down, but they did tease me because I was the only one who always wore a mask at all times. Whereas other people would like put, maybe take their mask off if we're in the office, but I just always kept it on. And so it, it was so much so that when the supervisor retired and she had a party, I came in without, it was outdoors. So I, I didn't wear a mask. And no one knew who I was. (laughs) They did not know who I was. But that's just, yeah, I mean, that's just how I'm playing it. I'm the only one who consistently puts on my goggles, I would say, uh, whenever I go out uh, in in the hospital. So I don't get it, but that's just how I am. Conventions, I think something would just have to make it worthwhile. So if it's a fire and water situation, then maybe because I can finally be in on that secret meeting that you guys have every time you like always schedule a time when the, the board, no, actually, I guess I won't be because I'm not on the board. Yeah. You're not in the star chamber. You're not in the star chamber. I'm sorry. (laughs) Never mind. Now I don't even care. I went to New York city and that was so delightful. It was so refreshing because you had to show your vaccination card and your ID. And I was so proud to whip out my vaccination card the first time at the drama bookstore and and of course, you know, 
being overwhelmed with people and in six. So I'm kind of put myself out there, but uh, I'm being as safe as possible, always masking no matter where I am, even on my, my don't tell anyone my Starbucks Fridays um, after I finish and I'm still reading, I pull my mask back on just because I, I think the mask is really, I don't think I, I know it's not about you. It's, you know, it's about other people. And, and I feel like it's such a small thing to sacrifice to protect other people potentially. And yeah, I do kind of, I would say shag, you had that moment of panic. I didn't necessarily have a moment of panic, but the first time I went into Trader Joe's and I saw someone without their mask and then I kind of looked around and saw a couple other people and then I quickly did my business and I went up to the cash register. I was like, um, has something changed? And then that was the first time they started relaxing mask mm-hmm. limitations in Virginia. And that was really startling for me. So even when I, whenever I see someone within an enclosed area not wearing their mask, something sort of bubbles up inside of me. And I think even though I said five hours ago that I'm trying to be a kinder person <laughs> or more prepared, <laughs> I think that still, I guess, I, I guess I have the freedom to maybe feel that way just because it does upset me a bit, but I don't lash out like a Karen or anything, but I just kind of wonder, wonder about it. And I, I guess give them grace and benefit of the doubt that they are vaccinated, but wonder, no, could you go the extra mile? And there was something else. Oh, sometimes I have these weird moments where it's gotten less and less of, as we've progressed. But especially I would say in 2020, if I was watching a TV show or a movie and people, I would have a moment of, why aren't those people wearing masks? It was really weird. I don't know if that happened to you at all. But, you know, the actual people in the screen, I would have a moment of, oh, my gosh, why are they not? Why are they in this room and not wearing masks? But then I could check back out. I'm like, okay, it's fictional. It's It's filmed. Um, yeah, so re-entry has been interesting. I think we're just going along with it. Omicron, at first I thought Ryan was making a joke, and then I realized, oh, yeah, that is what it's called. We're we're still in this, people. So even though you think that we're over it and you can be, you know, gung-ho, I would still caution you to be safe and protect yourself and other people because we are not out of the woods yet. Absolutely. By the way, you should know, Stella, that the fire and water get-togethers are very safe because we all have hoods on. So, <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> oh, gee whiz! Uh, we can also send proxies too. So, you know, if one of us can't make it, <laughs> that's right. I could be. Yeah, didn't you always with Ciscoid set up like a jar of maple syrup or something? <laughs> we always said we would. We always said we would. By the way, I'm calling my shot right now. Uh, Heroes Con 2023, people. Heroes Con 2023, there'll be at least one Fire and Water representative there. Hopefully, I will be able to drag more with me. Well, uh, I, I, I will say, I'm calling my shot, there will at least be a couple of Fire and Water designates uh, at my nuptials next year. So there will be that. So that's going to be a big Rob, chance. what are you... Oh, you're, the wedding, you mean? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Siskoid and I are finally making it official, yes. <laughs> Hey, Stella, um, in honor of Kitty Pride, I wanted to say uh, welcome to the Fire and Water Network. Hope you survive the experience. Thank you. I think you may have said that on a comment, too, and I thought, yes, I hope I survive as well. Shit, I already used that joke. Oh, I swear. (laughs) Damn it. 
Well, I think we need to wrap it up here. We've been talking for two hours, which is amazing. Uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you all of our patrons for your financial support. Thank you so much for the questions. This was great. We can only really, again, kind of trip hammer through some of them. Uh, there was so much to talk about. So thank you all for, for doing this. And uh, leave a comment on our website, grindwaterpodcast.com, on this post, and let us know how you're handling uh, what's going on, uh, You know how you're dealing, what new things have you been taking in since uh, we did a Meanwhile show last year. Uh, so uh, thanks, everybody. And Stella, again, welcome to the network, and thanks for being here. Thank you for giving me a chance. I, I was wondering if Jane Eyre would be too nerdy for you guys or too sophisticated, depending on what you think. But So I'm glad that you've given me a shot to be on here and kind of clean up the mess that the men have left out. <laughs> <laughs> and for real, if David A. Gutierrez asks you to disclose something you've never told another person, there's no good reason to answer him. No, you're not Sorry, legally bound or anything. Sure, sure. <laughs> that's good. That's to the audience. That's everybody. That's, that's true. That's true. So, uh, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Guys, this was great. And, again, Stella, we've really been enjoying the new show, and uh, it's great. We're, we're very happy to have you here on the network. So this is uh, all very exciting. I said, it's just great to have, have you part of the gang here. So, everybody, if you haven't checked out Dear Reader yet, please do. Uh, it's a really fun show and very interesting and well thought out and well presented. And, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a, again, a fine addition to the network. So, uh, and is the erotica episode coming up? It's coming up, uh, <laughs> not the next one, but soon. And in 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 closing, for me, just remember that Jane Eyre was published in 1847. Because I know <laughs> I'm not never going to live that down. No, Ryan, you're not. Ryan, when's the erotica episode of Give Me Those Star Wars coming out? Oh, <laughs> uh, you've read my slash fiction. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we will see you later. And uh, I don't know, until the next meanwhile, I guess we should say uh, fan the flame. And of course, I want real maple syrup. <laughs> <laughs> A ticking bomb means trouble for Batman and Robin. Holy breaking and entering. It's Batgirl. Quick, Batgirl. Untie us before it's too late. It's already too late. I've worked for you a long time, and I'm paid less than Robin. Same job, same employer means equal pay for men and women. No time for jokes, Batgirl. It's no joke. It's the federal equal pay law. Holy act of Congress! If you're not getting equal pay, contact the Wage and Hour Division, U.S. Department of Labor.